Welcome to episode 142 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to give you five simple ideas of how you can grow in your intimacy with Jesus Christ. Let's dive in. And Luke chapter 24 is this is phenomenal chapter. In fact, uh, it's becoming more and more of a favorite, at least in my life. And uh, one of the reasons I love it is it's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which obviously is a good concept. <laughs> uh, but I want to look at verse, starting with verse 13. Uh, you know the story. Jesus died upon the cross, and three days later he rose again. And interestingly, though he revealed himself, it's like not all the disciples apparently got it, <laughs> which is so interesting to me. And in verse 13, there are these two disciples, and they're walking on this seven-mile journey. They're going from Jerusalem to this little tiny town called Emmaus. And as they're walking along, this guy shows up, and uh, he, he notices that they're a little downcast. And he says, well, hey, wh- why, are, why, are you a little de- why are you depressed? And, of course, they look at each other, and they look back at him, and they say, well, what, what are you talking about? Are you the only guy who's been around Jerusalem and doesn't know what's been taking place in these days? And they basically describe the fact that, hey, the, the one that we placed our hope in, the one that we thought was going to bring salvation, the one that we thought was going to rescue us from the Romans, hey, the one that we believed was the Messiah, they just crucified. And, and I love this concept. As they're walking along, uh, if you look at verse, uh, verse 25, <clears throat> uh, Jesus, of course, they didn't recognize Jesus, but Jesus looks at them and says, Oh, fools, and slow to heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter his glory? Look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Oh, I just love that idea. I wish I was there. Because you imagine, here they are walking on the seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and Jesus pops up, and uh, they don't recognize Jesus. But Jesus says, hey, you know what I'm going to do? Here you are, you have this thought of what the Messiah is, and obviously you misunderstood it. And so what does he do? For the seven-mile journey, he really takes the entirety of the Old Testament, which is summarized here by the language of Moses and the prophets. It's a, it's a way that the Jews would speak of the Old Testament. So literally walking through the entirety of the Old Testament, Jesus began to open up the Old Testament and say, see that passage? That's all about the Messiah. See that passage? That's all about the Messiah. See that passage? That, yeah, that's about the Messiah. And he literally began to walk through all of, all of the Old Testament, expounding the scriptures to them concerning himself. Ah, that would have been amazing to sit through. I mean, I would just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I would have loved to have been on that walk. And as I'm walking through this whole thing, I would have just loved to listen to Jesus take the Old Testament and literally open up the Old Testament and reveal himself to the disciples. Now, it says in verse 28 uh, that as they drew near the village of Emmaus, uh, Jesus seemed to indicate that he was going to go further, but they, hey, they urged him to stay, and he had supper with them, and immediately their eyes were open, and they recognized that they, this whole time, had been talking to Jesus. And then, poof, he just leaves and uh, vanishes out of their sight. And again, I don't know how that happens, but uh, if you've seen Star Trek, apparently that, you know, they pop in, pop out kind of thing makes sense. So you get into verse 32, and, uh, I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. But verse 32 is, is the key verse to the whole passage in my mind. In verse 32, the disciples look at each other, 
And their only statement is, I love this, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? And they literally rose up, ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell all the disciples all the things that they had seen and heard. Could you imagine, here these two disciples are walking on the seven-mile journey, and Jesus opens up the scriptures and reveals himself to them through the Old Testament. And the only explanation, the only description, the only clarity that they have on this whole thing is, did not our hearts burn within us? I just love the reality that they were experiencing heartburn. (laughs) The right version of heartburn. And I've come to the conclusion that as a Christian, do you realize that we are the ones who should be experiencing continual heartburn. We are the ones who should just have this passion, this fire, this vigor that just rises up within us, that we just cannot contain it. We just, ah, oh, did, did not our hearts, hey, as, as, as God was revealing himself to us through the scriptures, hey, as, as we were beginning to see him clearly, hey, as we were getting to know him, wow, did not our hearts burn within us. I want that. And I don't want just that in a moment in time. I don't want just that for a, you know, every Sunday kind of a thing. I, I want to live with continual heartburn in my life. And as I get into the scriptures and, and as God begins to reveal himself to me through his word and, and, and just the realities of his life, see, see, I, I want to I be gripped so much by Jesus and I, I want to know him again in intimacy and oneness and I want to experience him on such a level where this thing just begins to burn within me. Man, that, that's a Christian. I'm convinced that that's a Christian. Now, I want to take all of that idea and all the stuff that we've been walking through in this little mini-series, and I want to I give you five practical things that, that hey, <clears throat> if you want to experience continual heartburn, uh, if you want to grow in your intimacy with Jesus Christ, if you want this thing to expand, this whole idea of good nosco, hey, if you want to take this to a whole nother level, I want to give you five practical things that you can begin to do to cultivate this idea of intimacy and oneness and, and just the depth of knowing him. Now, again, there's probably more than five, so this is not a, a comprehensive list. And, uh, and I would encourage you not to look at the list that I'm about to give you and see it as a checklist. Of like, oh, I got to go, go do those things, you know, and, and check those things off. Because, again, we keep talking about the fact that the moment it becomes duty, uh, it begins just to shut everything down. See, it is not to become duty. It is to be a delight. This is not a have to. This is a woo, I get to kind of a thing. But this is not a, you know, check this thing off a list and then I feel good about myself. And again, it's not like a chapter a day keeps the devil away kind of thing. We're not, we're not talking about that. We're, we're not just talking about spiritual disciplines. We're not t- talking about grit your teeth, buckle down, pull this thing off. Because the moment you begin to, to move into that kind of a reality, you, you realize that it begins to, stymie the relationship kind of thing. And again, it's not that there's a lack of discipline because, hey, you're going to need discipline. And there's going to be times in your life when you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel like it and you're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to do this because I know this is what I should do to cultivate relationship. I've, I've been told that people who are married, there are times they wake up and they have to decide to delight themselves in the marriage. That I am choosing today, woo, to be married, even if I don't feel like it. And there is a reality of that in the Christian life. But see, the moment that I just schedule everything out, and the moment I just begin to discipline and grip my teeth and pull this thing off, you realize it loses the, the luster and the delight and the, and the joy. Uh, it's like the classic illustration. <clears throat> this wife looks at her husband and says, uh, hey, wh- why, don't, wh- why don't you buy me chocolates and roses? You know, wh- why don't you just 
I mean, I just would love for you to express your love in chocolates and roses. He goes, oh, I, I can do that for you. And so he calls the chocolate company and says, hey, every other week, would you send a box of chocolates? And calls the flower company and every other, on the opposite week, say, would you send a dozen roses? And, of course, she looks at him and says, that's not what I want. And he goes, what are you talking about? You, you, just, you just asked for chocolates and roses. And she goes, I don't want that stuff. Well, you just told me you want that stuff. She goes, I don't want it like that. Well, then what do you want? See, I, I, I want you to be thinking about me all throughout the day. And as you think about me, I just, I just want you to not be able to help yourself. I just, what am I going to do to show my delight? Oh, I'm going to buy roses today. That's what she's wanting. And see, the moment it becomes scheduled, the moment it becomes a duty, the moment it becomes obligation, it's just, it's just it loses the luster and the delight. And the same thing's true about Jesus. You realize that, hey, I can, I can schedule this thing and pull this thing and grip my teeth and, yeah, 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 and discipline myself, but you realize that that's not going to press me into this idea of truly knowing him and having the oneness and the intimacy and just the expression and the reality of life, which is what he's wanting to have with us. So what does it look like then, as, a, as we walk through these five things, not to make this a, a list, another list of things to do to be a good Christian, but these are five areas that you can begin to focus on that will press you into a greater reality of knowing him and getting wrapped up in him and experiencing him and participating in his life in your life. So let's just walk through these quickly here. Uh, number one is the idea of scripture. You need to be in the word. And of course, we talked about this uh, a couple lessons ago, but, but you realize the reason we get into the Word of God is not to know or have information about Jesus. It is to get to know the author himself. And as we get to know the author, he just begins to open up the Word and reveal himself, which creates that heartburn kind of a thing. And again, this is not to become a duty. This is to be the delight. And hey, if you want to get to know Jesus, if you want to get wrapped up in intimacy with him, if you want to have a greater relationship with Jesus, hey, you, you've got to be in the word because this is the revelation of himself. He has revealed himself. He has showcased his character and his nature in this word. And this word is a revelation. It's an opening of the author himself. So you've got to be in the word. And if you want more details on that, you can go back a couple lessons ago when we were talking about knowing Jesus through the word. But, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, uh, the Word of God cannot just be an add-on to your life. You need to become soaked and saturated, permeated, marinated in this Word to the point where you're just constantly thinking about the Word, that you wake up in the morning and you just, oh, you just cannot help yourself. I, I want to be in the Word. Why do I want to be in the Word? Because I want to get to know the author. And, hey, you should be reading the Bible. You should be studying the Bible. You should be memorizing the Bible. Hey, you should be meditating upon the Bible. And again, for clarity, meditation in scripturally is not new age meditation stuff where you into your mind and um, kind of stuff. Biblical meditation is more of the picture of a cow chewing cud, right, where you chew, 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 swallow, regurgitate, chew, chew, chew some more, swallow, regurgitate, right, where you're, you take the word of God and you chew on it and you just kind of swallow it and just kind of let it sit there for a little bit. And then, you know, you're stopped in traffic and so you're like, hey, what am I going to do? And, oh, I'll just bring back, back, bring back that word and chew, chew, chew some more, and then swallow that thing, and, you know, you're at the doctor's office, and you're just waiting in the, the lobby, so instead of reading the dumb magazines, hey, just bring back the word of God, and, and just begin to chew, chew, chew some more, and, and just constantly, David says, day and night, I meditate upon your word, I just constantly just think about it, and I just live in it, I just soak in it all the time, and hey, you need to have that in the word. Uh, number two, not just the word, but hey, pr this idea of prayer, and again, I'm not just talking about 15 minutes in the morning. I'm not just talking about praying before your meals. I'm not just 
talking about, you know, right before you fall asleep, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about if you really want to grow in intimacy and relationship with Jesus, you've got to begin to recognize that one of the phenomenal realities of the New Testament is that the outside God has come to be on the inside. And now the outside God who has come to be on the inside, now who is indwelling your life through his spirit, you recognize that that is true, then everything you do and everywhere you go, he lives inside of you. Which means, why don't you involve him in the everyday things, activities of your life? So why don't you just talk to him all throughout the day? So, hey, if it's a beautiful sunrise, why don't you talk to Jesus about the sunrise? Wow, Jesus, that's a beautiful sunrise. There'll never be another sunrise just like this. You, you are a phenomenal artist, and I was awake to see it. You are so good. See, why, why don't, on the good things in your life, why don't you bring him in on those things? Wow, Jesus, these are the best green beans. Don't you love green beans? Ah, Jesus, I love green beans. And just bring him into the green bean moments of your life. Hey, when you're going through hardships and difficulties, see, see, he, he wants to be involved in everything. Not, not just the, the big stuff, not just the little stuff. He wants to be involved in everything. Why? Because he so passionately loves us that he just, he wants to be involved in relationship in the everyday aspects of our life. So hey, if you're going through hardship, talk to him about it. Hey, if you're stuck in traffic, talk to him about the traffic. Jesus, teach me patience. Thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, I'm really late and I really need to get to my appointment. But well, I trust you. And would you do something through this? And will you cause patience to grow up in my life? And Lord, you're going to have to settle me down. But Lord, thank you for the extra opportunity to, to ponder you and focus on you today. See, why don't you bring him into your flat tires? Why don't you bring him to your finances? Why don't you bring him into your family crisis? See, why don't you bring him into your work? See, why, why don't you just let him invade every moment of every single day and just begin to talk to him and that's going to cultivate relationship because you're just spending time with him and you're talking to him and you're listening and you're involving him in the every, every aspect of your life. So again, number one is the idea of the Bible. Number two is the idea of prayer. Number three is the idea of worship. Isn't it interesting scripturally that worship, I just think this is interesting, worship very rarely is connected to the idea of singing. Now, singing can be worship, but worship doesn't have to be singing. That worship, when you get right down to the heart of worship, worship is, is not something we do as, as much as, in other words, it's not like singing is singing's an activity we do. Worship is just the essence of how we live. Worship is a lifestyle kind of stuff. Uh, Paul said it this way, whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything becomes worship. So, hey, when I wake up in the morning and I'm slamming my hand on the alarm clock, I should do that as worship. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey, as, as, as I'm getting ready in the morning, hey, why don't you make that worship? Well, why don't you turn on either worship music or why don't you turn on an audio Bible and just begin to meditate and focus upon him? Hey, as you're driving, your driving should be worship. It should change how you drive. Hey, as you're eating food, you should do that as worship. Hey, as, as you're fellowshiping with people, hey, that, that should be worship. Hey, as you're done at your job or done at the school, hey, that, that should be worship. Because every aspect of our life should be done for his glory and his praise. And then when people look at us, they should see his life being evidenced through us. And it's amazing to me that in the hard times, 
And when you're going through difficulties, if you turn that difficulty back as praise and worship to Him, and you begin to live in this adoration and trust in Him, it just it changes your perspective on the hardships. And it somehow presses you under the reality of who He is. And I just love the idea that, that hey, when hardships come, it's either going to press you away from Him, or it's going to put pressure and press you to Him. So why don't you just let everything, every temptation, every pressure, every crisis, every financial thing, why doesn't it just be an opportunity for him to just begin to press you under the greater realities of who he is? And then your life just becomes this a song, but not in the sense of music, but just this declaration of praise and adoration of his glory and greatness and renown, for he is worthy. And that's how we are to live our life. So again, number one, this idea of, hey, you've got to get in the scriptures, and that, that, that should be pressing you unto him to get to know him, because the author has revealed himself to the word. There's a second idea of prayer, but again, not just prayer in the sense of praying for your food, but hey, begin to involve Jesus in the everyday moments of your life, and just begin to cultivate a deeper relationship with him, which is going to press you into greater intimacy and oneness with him. And that should flow into the fact that everything in your life should be worshipped, and you should just be bubbling forth with the reality of Jesus Christ in your life. Uh, number four is the idea of obedience. I found it interesting that, that we can never progress more in our spiritual life than what we've already obeyed and what he's revealed. In other words, God has revealed something, and hey, we are to obey in that area, and you recognize that we actually cannot progress further in our spiritual life until we've obeyed in that. Which means one way that you grow in your spiritual life, one way you grow in this intimacy with Jesus is you've got to learn obedience. That as you get into the Word of God, and He begins to expose your life, and He begins to bring conviction upon your life, and He puts a finger on something, guess how I get to respond? I get to respond in obedience. And as I obey in the small things, you recognize that it actually causes a greater affection for Him, and actually presses me unto Him, and it gives me a greater joy in Him. And you begin to realize that this idea of obedience isn't just in the big things of life. He begins to get on the little, tiny little things of life. In the sense of he starts putting his finger on attitude and motivation. So I could do the right thing at the right moment, but with the wrong motive. Well, I'm, holding, I'm helping the homeless. Good for you. But if I'm helping the homeless for selfish reasons, you realize that's actually not good. So God begins to put his finger on that saying, hey, you need to repent. And hey, you need to change that motive. And if I will obey in that, it's amazing. That'll press me into greater relationship with him. But if I disobey, it begins to sever relationship. So one of the things I just begin to find in my life is that, hey, if I want to grow in intimacy, if I want to grow in relationship, hey, if I want to be pressed into the greater realities of him, hey, I, I have absolutely positively got to be obeying him, which comes obviously from the word specifically, but just the, the, the spirit's pressing in my life. Hey, if I'm under the authority of my parents, I'm, here I am, a kid, and, I, and I'm, I'm living at home, you recognize that one of the ways I obey Jesus is by obeying my parents? Ah, right? <laughs> That's hard. But I, hey, if I'm, if I'm at a job, one of the ways that I obey Jesus is, hey, by obeying my boss, insofar as it doesn't contradict Scripture. So I, I've got to learn obedience. Jesus was obedient. Paul tells us in Philippians, that Jesus was obedient even unto death. Chapter 2 of Philippians. So hey, you've, you've got to learn obedience and allow obedience 
the, the, little, the little times you, where you begin to obey and, and respond to him, allow that to begin to cultivate a greater intimacy and relationship with Jesus. Because if not, what it's going to do is sever and break relationship, and it's going to bring up walls between you and him. And lastly, so again, we have the Bible, we have time in prayer, we have the idea of worship, we have the idea of obedience, and lastly, again, there's more than this, but here are just five key ones. The last one I just want to talk about is this idea of sharing that which God has deposited within you. It's interesting, we've been told that one of the best ways to learn any topic is to teach it. And the reason for that is the only way you can teach something is you've got to bring it into your life and begin to chew on it in such a way where you, you have some sort of a grip and a way to articulate that. In other words, if you just hear something, you're like, okay, I, I, I think I understand that. But when you have to churn it in within yourself in such a way where you have to be able to dispense it to make it understandable to somebody else, it forces a learning on a whole other level. So if you really want to learn something, teach it. Learn it in such a way where you can share it with somebody else. So think about this. If I want to really grow in my intimacy and my knowledge of Jesus Christ, if I really want to cultivate the depth of relationship and intimacy with him, what should I do? Well, when he reveals truth in my life, as he begins to reveal nuggets and concepts, and as I begin to walk in obedience, and, and as he's revealing himself to me, what should I do with that? Don't just hoard that in my life. What I should do then is take the little that he has deposited and begin to share it with somebody in my life. And that may, that may show itself in evangelism. That may show itself in the sense of uh, discipleship, where I'm bringing someone together and say, hey, let me just teach you some stuff I'm learning. That might just be you grabbing a good friend, going out for coffee and saying, can I, just, can I just tell you what God's been teaching me lately? But as you begin to share truth, it's amazing. Not only will you learn it more, but it's actually it's far more beneficial for you, by the way. And yeah, they may need to hear it too, but you're the one who really needs this more than anybody else. And as you begin to share it, yeah, God may use it as a blessing in somebody else's life, but what you're doing is you are cultivating and pressing it deeper within your own very being. The, the, one of the reasons I love doing these Daily Thunders, one of the reasons I love doing podcasts, and one of the reasons I love to teach at the discipleship school is because I get to learn. And it's a constant rehearsal for my own soul where I'm taking truths of God's word and I'm saying, Nathan, you've, you've got to press this deep within you and find a way where you can articulate it so it makes sense to somebody else. And, though, and hey, God can use that in somebody else's life, praise the Lord. But man, he uses that in my life. Hey, why, why, why is it one of the, why is talking about knowing Jesus, this idea of gnosko, one of my favorite things to talk about? Because I need this. And though I, hey, I, I, I passionately want that for everyone else, you realize that the reason I rehearse this over and over and over again is it's a reminder for my own soul to, hey, Nathan, you've got to be pressed into Jesus. Hey, you've got to get tied into Jesus. Hey, this, hey, this has got to be about oneness and intimacy and relationship and experience and participating with him. So what if you would take that which God has deposited within you, that which you are learning, that which you are studying, and what if you begin to share that with the people around you? What you're going to find is that's going to increase this depth, this understanding, which then should drive you into greater relationship and intimacy with him. Now again, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can do to cultivate that. For example, you should be in community. Hey, you should go to church. Probably should pay the preacher $50. That'd be awesome. But, uh, but the reality is, if, if you would just cultivate even just those five areas of, of getting into the Word, of spending time in His presence through just constant conversation with Him, 
that you begin to take every aspect of your life and you allow it to be worship unto him. That, that you begin to learn to walk in obedience to him. That as he begins to reveal something, no matter how big or how small, you respond by saying, you're right. And, and, and I'm going to obey. And even if it's hard, you begin to walk in obedience. And then you take that which he has deposited within you, that which you are learning, and you begin to share it with people around you. What you're going to find is that, that each of these things are going to be pressing you into a greater understanding of knowing him. Not just knowing about him, not just having facts and data and information, but actually knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. You realize that that should be the, the passion of our hearts. And I promise you, I promise you, that if you begin to do that, you're going to find that you're going to experience heartburn. That as you begin to cultivate these things in your life, you're going to find that as Jesus grows in your life and as, as the word begins to open up, that there's this passion, there's this fire, that there's this drive, this fervor within you that just you just cannot explain. And you're going to look at somebody and say, "Did not doesn't my heart just burn when I think about Jesus? And as a Christian, you should constantly be experiencing the reality of heartburn. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 142 for episode 142. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.